All right, we're starting a new series today, and maybe you saw the series promo on the internet. I am creative. I am connected. I am surrounded by friends. I am free to roam. I am so in love with him. But, 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 I am not fulfilled. This was supposed to be it. I am lonely. Am I missing something? I am disconnected from a purpose. Is there something more? I'm not sure who I am. Is there someone more? I am always restless. Why am I never content? Am I looking in the wrong direction? Maybe who I am wasn't meant to fulfill the longings or bring satisfaction. Maybe constantly looking at who I am is part of the problem. What if I stopped looking so much at who I am and looked at the one who called himself I am? Maybe knowing who I am starts with knowing Jesus. What if life's biggest questions aren't answered when we figure out who we are, but who he is? And what if knowing him changes us? I'm going to pray. Jesus, light of the world, we need you to shine this morning through your word. We ask that we would be changed as we look towards the light. We ask that you would uh, help us to live at our calling to be children of light and that you would uh, capture our hearts and our minds this morning. And all God's people said, amen. So we're starting this new series called I Am, Knowing Him Changes Us. And what we're doing during the season of Advent where Advent means coming, it's, it's an awaiting of Christ. We sort of rehearse the fact that for so long people were waiting for the Messiah to come. And we step back into that and, and rehearse that waiting and that expectation and that hope. And we're doing that by looking at the Gospel of John. And in the Gospel of John, Jesus says, I am over and over and over again. And we're gonna be looking at that. He says things like, I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, the life. I am the true vine. And today what we're going to look at is I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. The world is a dark place, isn't it? The world is full of brokenness. There is darkness everywhere. All of us know that the world is not the way it's supposed to be. And yet there's something in us that's like, you know, if we just stay positive, maybe things will get better but they don't ever get better, right? I mean, sometimes I tell my wife, I can't handle all the news that's coming at me about darkness and brokenness in this world. It just keeps coming. I mean, think about what we've heard recently about Libya and people enslaved in Libya. Think about all the women who are stepping forward and, and, and talking about how they've been abused. Uh, think about how divided our country is at this moment. This is a broken world. 
but we're broken people that live in this broken world. We ourselves live in darkness. And as, as Philip prayed for, we don't really like to talk about that because, hey, we're, we're in sunny South Florida. We've got the beach. We've got, there's the lights. There's the, the attractions. We can just keep moving through life and not really ever realize how dark our lives are. But when you start to think about those broken relationships you have, the broken relationships that you've never been able to fix, darkness, right? When you, when you think about even your own heart and some of the indifference you feel towards other people, right? You, you don't love everybody well, and even all the issues in our country, you don't even feel anything sometimes when you hear about some dark situations in our country. There's all the things that we can't fix about ourselves and even the things that we don't share about ourselves, right? We only put our best foot forward. I was having a good conversation at Coffee and Convo last week about how on social media, we only bring some things into the light. We only put our best part of our lives out there because one, we don't wanna share those things, right? And so everyone on social media, everyone's amazing, right? Everyone's having an amazing time. Their lives are fantastic but we hide that part of our life that we don't wanna share with everybody else. And then if you do put it out there, JD was saying, if you do put it out there, everyone's like, get that off Facebook, get that off social media. We don't wanna hear about that darkness, but our lives are dark at times. We do have darkness in our lives. And it's hard to handle that we live in a dark world and that we have darkness in our lives and we live in darkness. And I think sometimes it's easy to think that that darkness is normal. We don't, we don't know any different. About 10 years ago, I decided to take a hiking trip by myself in the mountains of uh, Eastern Tennessee, Western North Carolina. And I left work on a Friday night. And when I left work, it was already like four o'clock. And I drove about four hours to the, to the trailhead. And so the sun was kind of going down as I was starting this hike. And I did not have an LED headlamp. I just had like a little flashlight headlamp. So the scope of what I was able to see was just about this. I had a map of the trail and I began hiking. It was about a five mile trail and it wasn't too steep of an incline, but it was an incline. And as the night got dark, I reached down into my pocket. I had gone a couple of miles and I reached down into my pocket. I kept my map right here and my map was not there. And I decided at that point, I'm just gonna keep going because I don't know where it is. And if I go back, I might not find it. I'm just gonna keep going. And so with my little headlamp, only able to see about two steps in front of me, I just kept going. And I came one time to a fork in the road with no sign telling me which way to go. And I remember going left. And I walked for about 10 minutes down that left path until I figured out that I was actually walking, not on a path, but in a riverbed that had dried up and I had to turn around and go back and then continue on, continue on down this path. And after a while, I, I, you know, the insanity of what I was doing in that darkness, it just sort of became normal. Like, this is where I am. This is what I'm doing. I'm just gonna keep going on. I'm good. I'm gonna make it, right? I'm gonna make it. And I think sometimes in our life, we get lost and we get confused. We don't have a reference point. We don't have a map. We're in darkness and yet we're like, I'll make it. I'm good. I'll keep going, I'll figure this out. And the darkness becomes normal. Jesus comes into our dark world, the darkness in our lives that we think is normal and says this, I am the light of the world. 
I am the light of the world, and anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is telling us that he is the illuminating presence of God in a dark world. And as you and I move towards the light of Christ, you will shine in a dark world. Jesus is dialoguing with Pharisees at the Feast of Booths, also called the Feast of Tabernacles. And the Feast of Booths was a harvest celebration. They were celebrating uh, God's faithfulness and provision as, at the harvest. But they were also looking back, way back, to the time in their wilderness journey, the time where they were wandering through the desert, the time when God led them through the desert in fire, which lit up the night. Listen to what it says in Exodus 13. The Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to lead them on their way during the day and in a pillar of fire to give them light at night so they could travel day or night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night never left its place in front of the people. The Feast of Booths was a reminder that they had been in the wilderness journey, and that wilderness journey was made possible because God was present in fire that lit up the way for them. And that's when, what Jesus is in the middle of celebrating when he's dialoguing with these Pharisees, and he says, I am the light of the world. He's remembering the illuminating presence of God that was leading the people of Israel to the promised land. So that when they got to the promised land, they themselves could be a light. God had called his people to be a light to the nations, to reflect his character to the surrounding countries in order that they might point everyone to God. But instead of reflecting the light of God, they became dark. They worshiped idols. They practiced injustice. They were meant to be a light to the nations and they were themselves darkness. They failed to be a light and they eventually ended up in exile. But there was a prophecy about one who would come and bring light. The one that Bill and Brittany read this morning from Isaiah 9. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. And when Jesus comes on the scene and says, I am the light of the world, he is embodying everything that I've just talked about. He is saying that I am the illuminating presence of God. I am going to live out my light in the way Israel should have. I am the one that has been prophesied about that's going to bring light to a dark world. In his conversation with the Pharisees, the whole thing is about who he is and what he's come to do and the implications. And the Pharisees take issue with him. They say, well, prove it. <laughs> prove that you are the light of God. Where do you come from? You, you're testifying about yourself. You're saying that you have the right to tell us who you are. We want someone else to testify about who you are. When you make this claim that you're the light of the world, you're not even saying you're a light, you're saying you're the light. Prove it, prove it. See, who Jesus is and what he's saying doesn't fit within their framework for God. It doesn't fit within their framework for the world and even how they understand themselves. But Jesus is saying to them, look, the whole reason you don't understand me is because you are in darkness. Look, if you want to understand yourself and the world and, the, and God, you can't start by looking at your perspective. You have to look at me first because I am the light of the world. Jesus is pushing them 
And I think he's nudging us a little bit too. Because we often look at Jesus from our own perspective. We use ourselves as a reference point. I mean, we're human, that's what we do. But Jesus is saying, look at me first and see if I don't shine and make meaning of the entire world and your life and all of existence. Jesus is telling them, if you're not willing to look at the light of the world, you won't have light in your world because you're starting from a place of darkness. Start with me, I'm the light, you're in darkness. Look at me first. And as we begin to understand Jesus and what he's saying, the implications are big. I mean, Jesus is claiming something massive when he says, I am the light of the world. And that's why you can't just say, you know what, I'm okay with Jesus, but I don't really wanna follow him. Because he is saying that he is not a light, but the light. So in other words, he is either crazy or he's cunning. He's crazy because he thinks he's the light and he's really not, so you don't have to follow him. Or he's cunning. He's doing an awesome marketing campaign to trick you into who he is. He's like LeVar Ball just kind of yelling stuff out and trying to get attention. He's either crazy or he's cunning or he actually is who he says he is. And if he is the light of the world, you can't just say, Jesus, I'm okay with you, but I'm not gonna follow you. Because the reference point for all of existence is him. That's what he's saying. Like the sun's the center point in the universe, Jesus is saying, I'm the center point. I'm the reference point for all of life. For all of life. I am the light of the world. Well, what does light do? Light shines, and when it shines, it exposes what's in the darkness. It exposes what's in the darkness. I continued on that trail, uh, like a dummy. <laughs> I continued on that trail, and after about four and a half miles, the incline got steep, so that I wasn't taking steps like this, I was taking steps like this. And all of a sudden, I was surrounded by like branches and I had to kind of push my way through. And what I didn't realize is that I was ascending to the top of this mountain. And literally I came out of the trees and there I was on this bald on the top of a mountain. And there was the moon and the stars and all of a sudden I could see. I could see where I was. And I turned around and I, and I got on a rock and I looked down and, and I could see the slope of the mountain down to the parking lot five miles away where I had it started because the light had exposed what's in the darkness. The light has exposed what's in the darkness. And with that came perspective. I was able to see clearly. And with that came certainty. I know where I am now. I know where I am now. The darkness was no longer normal because the lights had shined. Jesus, as the illuminating presence of God, exposes what's in the darkness. And what we find in our darkness, in our dark world, and in our dark lives is separation and sin and shame. Separation, sin, and shame. Separation is because we are separated from God. Jesus' whole argument with the Pharisees is based on, Pharisees, you don't know God because he's separated from you. I was with God the Father, I am God, and I came to you. Just the fact that God is not here with us on earth means that you are separated from him, but I was with him because I am God, I'm God the Son, I was with God the Father, now I'm with you. It's basic logic. If God's not here, then he's separate from you. 
And that's what Jesus is saying to the Pharisees. And what we can learn, we are separated from God. Why? Well, the sin uh, of our first parents broke the relationship with God. Eden was this place of beautiful relationship and harmony between God and man. But when Adam and Eve rebelled against their creator, things broke. Everything broke. Their relationship with God broke. And they were banished from the garden, never to walk with him again. Sin entered the world, and then we inherit that sinful nature. We're born into sin. That means we're born into this rebellion against God. We're born separated from him, and we participate in that rebellion. But there still is this desire in us. We were made to be in relationship with God. We're not made to be separated from him. So we're still in this place of longing and wanting relationship with him. And because we don't have that relationship with him, we find ourselves in this place of shame and darkness, just like Adam and Eve did in the garden. We're longing for something to fill that hole and we feel like we don't add up and we feel like that we're not adequate and where there's parts that we just don't understand of our lives and we're just longing for relationship with God. Our biggest problem is separation. The pain we feel in this life is because when people die, they're separated from God at death. The pain we feel is this longing because we don't have relationship with God. The pain we feel is this fear of what's next. What happens after we die? Well, the Bible calls what happens after you die outer darkness. Darkness, more darkness. And we have that shame in our lives because we're longing to know God. Look at what Frederick Buechner says about our lives in terms of light and darkness. If there is a terror about darkness because we cannot see, there is also a terror about light because we can see. Because much of what we see in the light about ourselves and our world, we would rather not see, uh, would rather not have been seen. So we're in this place of darkness and yet the light scares us because it shows us our separation and our sin and our shame. So we're in trouble Either way, but the good news is that the light of Jesus doesn't just expose our darkness, it dispels our darkness. The light of Jesus chases away the sin and separation and shame and darkness. In John 1, verses 4 through 5, John writes, In Jesus was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. Jesus comes as light to dark people living in a dark world. Jesus comes as love to rebellious people living sinful lives, not to judge those in darkness. Jesus didn't come to judge those in darkness, but rather to enter into the pain of darkness himself. The light of the good news of Jesus is that God the Son lived on this earth. He came as a baby and he lived a life of light. He lived a life of love, of sacrificial love for you and for me. And he went underwent the darkness of the judgment that you and I deserve on the cross. He underwent the darkness of the judgment that you and I deserve on the cross. Jesus placed himself on the cross and the wrath of God was poured out on him as if he had lived his entire life in darkness when he had only been light and love. But he did that, he took our place. He went into the darkness so that you and I wouldn't have to live in the darkness. You and I wouldn't have to experience the judgment of God. 
And that is the beauty of the love of Jesus. Jesus was put on the cross and he died there and he spent three days on a tomb, but after three days, light, resurrection. And he invites us into his life to know him and to know his light. Jesus overcame darkness that you and I might make a move. That we might make a move to leave darkness and turn towards the light. In John 14, or sorry, John 12, 46, Jesus says, I have come as a light into the world so that everyone who believes in me would not remain in darkness. Jesus is telling us to make a move towards the light. Because when we turn toward the light, we will shine like the light of Jesus in a dark world. The temptation always, though, is what? Don't make a move. You're good. Stay where you are. Sometimes I think Jesus uh, shows himself, not physically, but in our conscience, he, he, he draws you. It's like this little flicker of a light, and you see it just for a moment, and you're like, no, I'm good. <laughs> I'm all right. I don't have a problem with Jesus. I mean, Jesus was about love. Uh, and, and so I'm just going to continue on where I'm at. I like Jesus. I like that he was all about love, but I'm good. I'm okay. I want to read you a verse and just challenge you to make a move. This is a famous verse, the most famous verse in the Bible. It says, for God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. You've heard that? Okay. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Amen. Jesus didn't come to judge. He came to, to live and light and love, uh, but to save the world through him. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned. Whew. Amen. Okay, what's next? But anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only son of God. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love their darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed. But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light. What John is telling us is that Jesus did not come into the world to judge the world, but to rescue it with light and love, amen. But what John is also saying is that if you see the rescue of Jesus, if you see him coming towards you and into this world with light and love, and you don't move towards the light, you are making a judgment about Jesus. It doesn't make any sense to say Jesus is light and Jesus is love, but I will not receive that light and I will not receive that love. Because if you don't move towards Jesus, if you don't move towards light, you're making a judgment about who he is. And therefore, you yourself remain in judgment. You haven't accepted the rescue. You haven't opened your hands to receive the love. You haven't moved towards the light of Christ. There's always a tendency for us to ignore the light. Is anybody's check engine light on right now? Mine is, okay. Someone did a study and they said that about 10% of people have their check engine light on. And once it goes on, uh, they said that 50% of those people will let it stay on about three months. That's just who we are, mine is on right now. Look, if, 
We know that we shouldn't drive around ignoring our check engine light, but we also should not live life ignoring the light of life. Jesus, the light of the world. This is your moment right now. Even as I'm speaking, as we're reading this text, this is the check engine light for you. What are you going to do with the light? Are you going to move towards it? Are you gonna make a move? Or are you gonna ignore it? You know what happens when you ignore your check engine light for too long? Irreversible damage. Don't miss the moment to turn towards the light, to make a move and become a child of light. See, the amazing thing about Jesus is even though we're in darkness and we live in a dark world, he allows us to become children of God or children of light. In John 12, he says this, the one who walks in darkness doesn't know where he's going. That was me on that trail. But while you have the light, believe in the light so that you may become children of light, so that you might shine in a dark, broken world, that you might reflect the light of Jesus into darkness. See, the amazing thing about this is that as that happens, what is in your heart and what is in your life comes to be illuminated. You begin to see the dark things in your heart and the dark things in your life. And oftentimes we let that discourage us. But let me tell you, be encouraged if you see darkness in your heart because it means the light of Jesus is actually shining in on you. And as you see the darkness, keep facing the light and ask him to change it. Ask him to, to illuminate you that you might turn away from that darkness and turn to Jesus. So often we forget that we, the, the light is shining on us and when we see sin, it throws us off. But we should expect to see sin in our lives because the light of Jesus is shining on us. But then secondly, you have found the light. If you have turned away from the darkness and turned to Christ, Jesus Christ has become your reference point. You have found the light and every other thing is secondary. Every other thing is secondary in this life. Look, you know that if you don't pay the light bill, what happens? The power gets cut and then you have a whole slew of problems. You can't buy food, you can't, because you can't store it in the fridge, uh, you can't run the AC, so you can't even live there. But if the light bill has been paid and the lights are on, everything else is secondary. The bill for your pen, for your sin has been paid and the light is shining and you have been found by the light. Everything else is secondary in your life. Everything else is secondary. So look, you're looking for that person to light up your life. Amen. Keep the search, but search knowing that you have been found by the light of the world. You've been waiting for months for that job, but the light of the world who had been prophesied about for millennia has found you. You look around and you see all these people who seem to have their life set, right? But you have the light of Christ in your life. When you have been found by Jesus, when you are moving towards the light, everything else is secondary. Rest assured, the light is shining on you and therefore through you. I was talking with Bill this week about just how sometimes we wish the light shined brighter through us. You know, we're in relationships with friends and we want the love of Christ to shine brighter. 
And here's the good news though. Even dusty, broken down mirrors can still reflect a bright light. Jesus calls us children of light. And that doesn't mean the light is on us to burst forth. It means that we're simply a reflection of who Jesus is. He's shining the light into us and through us and therefore out into our city and our relationships and our friends. So do not be discouraged if you feel like your light is tiny. It's not about your light. It's about the light of the world shining in you and through you. And as you believe in Jesus and as you walk in relationship with Jesus, you will reflect the burning bright light of the world. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And therefore, when you walk with him, you are a child of light. That is who you are. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you came into this dark world burning bright with the love of God. We thank you for your sacrificial death on the cross. We thank you that you came not to judge, but to love, to sacrifice yourself and to bring light into our darkness. We pray, Father, that you would help us make moves towards the light. If we've never encountered you, Jesus, we pray that we would turn towards you and begin walking in that way. If there's an area of our life that we're hiding in darkness, would you, would you free us from that, that we might turn towards you and let you shine on us again. And Lord, make our church a reflection of the great light in this city. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Would you stand with me and sing? You know, the first... Uh first verse of this says, light of the world, you step down into darkness, opened 